Welcome, everyone, to Watch Challenge. On each episode, we challenge ourselves to find and watch a film of a particular type and then report back the results to each other and you find listeners. My name is Mike Went. And I'm Aaron Spears. This episode's challenge is Hangout Films, which I think in the last episode, Mike, you mentioned like that's very much a summertime kind of vibe. Yeah. Um, for you, um, what is it that calls to you in, in summertime to have a, a good hangout film? Well, you know, there's a lot of times I think in the winter we're always like, especially here in Northeast Ohio, when the weather's bad, there's a lot of times there's, you know, we're kind of cooped in. So yeah. the fact that you can freely go out and, and hang with your buds or have beer, you know, go watch a movie outside, like on a on a projector wall or something like that. You yeah. That those are the the kind of things that I love doing, you know, go play baseball or something, you know, <laughs> hang out. Um, so yeah, I, I, I kind of equate that. I mean, I'm sure you can, you can still do the same thing in winter, but there's something about it yeah. in, in the summer and you know, when it, it takes a lot longer to get dark and everything. So yeah. Yeah. That, that it just always gives me those kind of fuzzy nostalgic feelings <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not uh dismissing it i have the same impulse as well so i didn't mean to sound like what the hell's the deal mike why summer but um yeah no i think it's more i don't know yeah it's just a, a bit more of a laid-back vibe like you said if you are um i mean i'm married to a, a school teacher so i'm around like people <laughs> who have perpetual free time all summer long <laughs> in my house um but like you said, I think staying light longer in the Cleveland area here really helps because I can get off work, grab a bite to eat, you know, make some yeah. dinner real quick. And I still have several hours of daylight to like start hanging out a little bit as we pick a movie. Um, and then I think an interesting byproduct from the, the, in the COVID era is uh, I know several people that are ready equipment wise to like project something outside and hang oh, out yes. on a patio um, or now like the way patio culture is around here, too. Um, there's just a lot of patios around and in some places that do screen movies as well. So yeah, um, getting, getting that kind of hangout summer movie vibe is definitely kind of proliferating. I think. Yeah. I, it's sometimes, um, on my weekends, it is, I have to make some of those decisions because I, I'll get an invite to something outdoorsy. Mm -hmm. and sometimes it's multiple things on the same day because I, I don't know, there's just something about, I don't know if it's just specific to Northeast Ohio, but people just like to do their outdoor <laughs> barbecues or, or, you know, backyard screenings or sure. whatever. And, uh, sometimes it is, I call it a nerd dilemma. Uh, <laughs> cause you don't want to, you know, if, if I don't come this time, am I not going to get invited the next time? You know, right, right, right. <laughs> it's one of those things that it's like in my head, I'm like, Oh my gosh. But no. yeah, it's, but that's the, the beauty of the nice weather that we have here is that, you know, if you miss that one, you can always have one the next weekend, which I'm sure I'll have another uh, nerd moral dilemma. <laughs> exactly. Well, it also kind of harkens back to when we did our uh, national drive-in movie day. We did a drive-in double feature yeah. episode. See the feed for that. Um, the idea of I think this one overlaps a little bit with drive-in culture, where there's certain types of movies that I think lend themselves to the drive-in. As we mentioned in that episode, like you know, you're not going to go see Citizen Kane. At the, you know, or, <laughs> or uh, let's see, more modern masterpiece, Roma. You know, you're, that's not like right. a drive-in movie. You want something that you can maybe miss a scene or two or a line of dialogue because you're shooting the shit with your buddies or your friends or the people next to you who are also laughing at stuff or you're running to the concession stand or something. So it's kind of one of those you can, 
I don't know. I feel like maybe you can, this is a horrible way to say it as far as film geeks go, but like you can kind of drop in and out of, and yeah. if you miss, uh, a minute or so, it's not, not that big a deal. Cause these aren't like plot narrative driven stories. Usually it's just, you're just hanging with interesting characters, maybe, you know, a touch of an interesting plot in there too, but like, it's just kind of a fun time to just, I think you mentioned on last episode, like these are just friends you wish you could just hang out with and you yeah, can't. Movie, exactly. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's dialogue heavy. A lot of times in sure. these films, um and sometimes dialogue heavy could equal to some people boring but uh i think at least uh with some of the things that i've that i researched for this episode yeah i think bec- what makes them so unique is the dialogue you know like that's yeah. that's why you revisit these type of movies because there's these quotable instantly quotable oh, yeah. a lot of times that that you might just use in your everyday um vocabulary but you don't realize that you're quoting a movie you know, <laughs> you know? right 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 <laughs> um so yeah i mean that, that's that's the beauty i think of of the hangout movie because you're right that there, there you know you don't have to like focus so much on the you know, connecting the dots with the plot it can right. be right kind of a wide open thing <laughs> yeah and i think it also overlaps a little bit with the needle drop episode we've already done oh, yeah. uh, not to make this just the greatest hits of our own episodes but <laughs> it's uh you know like a lot of these generally have like a pretty kick and soundtrack uh yeah. is is possible with these yeah it just it's it's uh it's an interesting kind of like genre i don't think i was really terribly aware of or had it as a genre in my in, in my head until i think fairly recently i want to say like maybe 4 or 5 years ago See, maybe I was just seeing it around more out in the film, out in film culture yeah. um, at that point in time. Although I have a bunch of, I was like, oh, that was, a, I, I have a list, like, I didn't use most of them because they're kind of the greatest hits of, of, of Hangout movies. Sure. Um, but like all through high school and college that we would just like put on, it was just on in the background. Yeah. Those uh, kind of, yeah. Thing. It's like the, I think a lot of the, the favorite movies of mine in, in those high school years were the ones that are, that would probably fall under the, the hangout vibe just yeah. because it's it's something that when you go to a friend's house you can put that on in the background you can still talk with your friends uh you know have a beer or something you know right. under beers or <laughs> <laughs> uh you, you go to the cool parents house of course right uh, right right yeah you're but, you're picking characters and you're doing line the, the yeah. lines of the movie and stuff and yeah I'm like but yeah you're not really maybe potentially paying attention to the movie just because it's like uh it's a it's a warm blanket of right. uh, of a movie that just plays in the background. It's comfort food. Yeah. 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 You know, um, but you know, there's that, that first time you watched it where it like it instantly became one of your favorites. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have anybody in your head as like kind of the greatest hits? Like I know we usually try to like, well, the the easy Google search results, we try to dig a little deeper than that in our honorable mentions. So do you have any kind of like the greats as far as hangout film filmmakers go or maybe yeah. just I mean, I would probably say uh, Richard Linklater uh, yeah, that's my list. Is, is potentially the, you know, I mean, because so many of his, not just, and of course, I mean, Days of Confused, right? Uh, yeah. you know, that's probably the thing that everybody will equate with him. But I would also, you could argue uh, the Before Trilogy, oh, is for sure. the Hangout movie, and then Slacker. Know, yeah, you go back to the beginning. Exactly. You're just hanging out with characters, yeah. and then the camera gets bored. It just wanders to the next character. Yes, and then the uh, you know he did the the quasi sequel to to Days of Confused with um, 
everybody wants them, you know? So it's like, yeah, he's like the, you know, that, that kind of, I don't know if you call him the godfather of that. <laughs> of that. You know, there were other filmmakers that were, yeah. That have no, he, he was top of my list just because like when I was thinking back to my high school experience, it was a lot of Richard Linklater stuff hanging, even um a little bit more obscure ones of his like suburbia. You're just hanging yeah. out one night with a bunch of kids. And I was like, I recognize all those character types there. Yeah. Um, I almost I, I thought about including everybody wants some because I feel like that's one that doesn't get as much love or have as much love. Yeah. Um, but I think it's also since it's associated with him, I was like, I, it, it's fine. It's it's there. People find it. <laughs> um, if you haven't seen it, like I'm not a baseball fan. I really don't care for it too much. And it, I know it's about a college, you know, kind of bro baseball movie. It's so much more than that. Go watch it. It's a lot of fun. Go hang out with yeah. some characters. Just trust trust the master. He, he knows what he's doing. <laughs> that one, you know, it's funny because it's almost 10 years old now. Is it? Um, well, wow. Maybe 2015, 2016. Uh, yeah. Either way, I would have been like a couple years ago. Yeah, almost 10 years ago. But Jeez. like it's uh, that one. I, I'm not going to say like it's a forgotten movie, but it just doesn't. I don't see it in the conversation as much. Right. Uh, but but maybe with time, it could become like, yeah, um, you know, it could be synonymous with with uh, Days Confused. But I mean, I, I don't maybe just because the people who started that movie haven't become, you know, these big Hollywood giants like right that's true that, with that but but yeah. there are some obviously some recognizable faces who are who are now busy in that. not to turn it into like the richard linkletter episode now sure. <laughs> but i think it was like that that peak well hopefully initial peak uh or uh, that's not even the right word sorry let me rephrase that the <laughs> the um the kind of cultural thing that was boyhood when it came out and yeah. you know it's 12 year long movie and like the whole backstory to that but also the great performances of that and just also what that captures on film I feel like he hasn't grabbed like the critic kind of cultural imagination with anything he's done since then. Yeah. The way that he really did with that one and a few before then as well, like even on the art house scene. And now the way that art house releasing goes, I still haven't watched that one. He put right to Netflix. And I was like, I love the, I love this guy's filmography and I still haven't watched yeah. it in half. No, I've been, I've been meaning to watch that too. Yeah. Um, but, um, but yeah, I could also, I mean, you can also say probably Tarantino, um, sure. you know, is, at least for the modern people, I, you know, I think almost all of his films could in some, well, maybe not, maybe not so much Kill Bill movies, but a lot of them have the, the, the hangout vibe. Yeah. You know, um, actually, uh, for an example, Hateful Eight is one I watch every winter where yeah. I wait for a really good snowstorm and I'm like, all right, I'm watching Hateful Eight tonight. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it it also it was just it's um until I was focusing in on this phrase of of the hangout movie and just hanging out with characters, I really didn't realize how many films like I was just going through like my some of my top ranked stuff on Letterbox and go through. I was like, oh, that's a hangout movie. Oh, that's kind of a hangout movie. But I was like, oh wait, no, there's a little narrative that push there, or you know, um, you know, I like Spike Lee a lot, so I was like kind of looking at his filmography, going like, oh, I just like hanging out with some of his movies too. <laughs> kind of interesting, like um. Oh, I, hopefully this is one you pick, but like Summer of Sam uh, is one of his. It's like, kind of lesser appreciated that I adore mm. uh, kick ass soundtrack. But like it's you're just hanging out with characters in their neighborhood. Yeah. And then, yeah. In the background, there's like the 44 caliber killer and there is someone playing David Berkowitz in there. But like it's not a serial killer story. It's a neighborhood <laughs> story. You're just hanging out. Yeah. Um, that sort of thing. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's an interesting like I said, genre that I, I think I'm, I'm more aware of in the last, so I'm going to say like five years or so, but it applies to like stuff I've been watching like my whole life. The ones that I've, I had initially on VHS that I've moved through formats over the years in order yes. to get the new version so I can 
still hang out with it. Um, yeah, and for sure. In my house, so, um, any uh, honorable mentions you want to start off with, Mike? So, so my first one, um, I want, I kind of wonder if it was an influence on Daisy Confused, uh, but it's from 1979. It's called Over the Edge. It stars Matt okay. Dillon, and uh, this is a, it's a movie basically about all these rebellious teens that hang out at a, um, um, ba- you know, they're at like a, a rec center. And they decide to basically shut out the parents, overtake it. And it is, uh, it's kind of like this rebel, this movie of, of rebellion, of teenage rebellion. Like, I think there was, you know, in that time period, um, or, you know, in the sixties and seventies, there was kind of like this new perception of what teenagers were. Yeah. I think this, Part of, part of the movie is made as like the fear of teenagers inheriting the earth. Uh, sure. <laughs> um, and it, it has like some really memorable scenes, especially towards the end when, when we're reaching the peak, you know, when the, when the police are getting involved and uh, you know, there's some, uh, some arson starts to happen, okay. uh, but it has like a pretty great soundtrack for the time as well. And uh, the one thing that I remember most, uh, because this was a movie, once again, my HBO kid days, um, oh, okay. that, that was played often on HBO, but uh, there, there's a really good uh, remake of the song, like, Ooh, Child, you know, things are going to get easier. Uh, it's, 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 you know, something that always stuck out to like a version that was really kind of like echoes the, the statement of the movie. Okay. Uh, have you seen that one? Actually, I haven't. And you mentioned it on a previous episode, kind of just in passing, I think. Sure. And I, I looked it up. And I was like, I gotta, I gotta watch this one. So I, yeah. I will get on it, but I have not seen it. Yeah, it. I was like, I think I do remember mentioning this in a honorable mention before. I was, I was gonna say something else, but I, I just keep thinking about like because it is, <laughs> it's really the definition of a hangout movie. They're at basically one location the whole movie. Okay, this rec center. Gotcha. And, you know, Matt Dillon was still kind of young at the time. So, like, you know, he has this kind of, uh, you know, iconic look to him. Like, you know, this kind of, you know, you, you could tell he was be- going to become what he became. Um, you know, okay. just years later, he did Rumblefish and everything and outside. Oh, right. So, yeah. um, so anyway, I, I highly suggest it. And uh, it's one of those gems, I think that's maybe just because of how long you know it's it's getting up there in age but i I think it's a really entertaining film well you had me with like possible inspiration for daisy confused also the vibe of a hangout movie i'm totally on board and then yeah i just looked up you got on the soundtrack cheap trick the cars van halen Jimi hendrix the ramones i'm in (laughs) yeah yeah it's not you know there's not comic beats like uh daisy confused but i think just with the the look the feel um, this the one location, like you said, and everything. Exactly. Exactly. Plus, it, it, it scratches your coming of age. Yes. Story, <laughs> which may be the episode where you mentioned it, actually. But <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, yeah, I'll, I'll have to. I'll really have to hop on this. And I'll bump it up in my queue. How, how about you? Oh, uh, okay. I, I did not order these very well. I mean, we don't know what each other's picking, so I, sure. this is uber geeky. So I apologize for transitioning from like, <laughs> you know, eighties, uh, um, late seventy late 70s movie with like a kind of hangout vibe and a kick-ass soundtrack too i'm gonna swing over to 1994 hungary (laughs) uh there is a um bella tar movie called satan tango 
Mm, okay. which is probably famous because it's uh, 432 minutes long. It's over seven hours long. And I picked it because one, you just have to hang out with it because it's so long. Like yeah. if you choose to watch it, like it's your day, basically, you know, <laughs> um, and I did. I chose to hang out with it and I chose to watch it. I got to see it on the big screen. Our beloved local uh, Cleveland Cinematheque uh, yeah. programmed it. I think it was the restored. Um, I mean, it was it was the restored digital version. I know his stuff's been getting restored uh, recently, um, which is great. And it looked fantastic. You hang out with the inhabitants of this small village. It's set in 1980s Hungary um, and the villagers are all dealing with the fall of communism. And essentially the town's factory has closed. And again, like it's not plot essential at all, but I feel like there was something about a, a payment was coming. So we just sort of like in this kind of limbo, like the stasis kind of vibe in this yeah. community. Um, but there's also like no hope because like the fact, <laughs> which isn't funny, I guess, but because um, like the factory's closed, like the only thing is maybe like a payout's coming. Um, I think somebody comes back to town uh, that hasn't been there in a while. There's like an extent. It, oh God, I'm really not selling this too well. Um, it's gorgeous black and white photography, the set design and the costumes. Like it is so convincing that like I knew it was Bellatar, I knew it was a masterpiece, and I knew it wasn't made recently. Uh, and then I went to saw, went and saw it, and I just I was convinced. If you would have asked me leaving the theater in the lobby or at one of the intermissions, um, what year was this movie filmed? Like, well, it was 80s. Like it just it looks like it's of that moment. Now, granted, maybe the the, the remote farming village where he filmed this in 1994 still looked like the eighties, but like, it just looks like he happened to have a camera there and and it's all non-professional actors. And it's just, you don't question anyone's performance or motivation or what they're doing. Like, it's just so lived in. Yeah. And again, it's a time commitment. I get it. But if you're, you're willing to do it, um, it's just, it's, it's a spectacular, just kind of like hang out. And again, since it's seven hours long after the first hour, you get to into the rhythm of like, okay, we're going to, we're just hanging out here. There's no flashy cuts. There's no needle drop score to you're just immersed in like this village and the inner character dynamics that are going on. And, um, I mean, it's not like riveting. It's just, but it, I find it to be very, very fascinating. And if anybody listening, uh, is a filmmaker or just, I guess also just a film geek as well. And you're interested in the history of film or techniques in film. It is just a one stop. Granted, it's a whole day's worth of watching, um, film on a masterclass on how to compose and choreograph long takes. It's yeah. not known as gimmicks or anything. It's just like you realize like, oh, I, I don't think they like it was just it lulls you and it, it absorbs you so well that like you realize, oh, I, I think they just edited. Oh, that was was that all one take? <laughs> and it, it's, it doesn't feel gimmicky. Again, it's shot on film. So, you know, the takes could only be so long. But I just I just was completely smitten with it by the time I got, came out of it again. Like I knew it was gonna be my day. I was fine with that. <laughs> Sandwiches and um. No, it just it was it was just uh, utterly fantastic. I loved hanging out with it. Um, I will definitely go back uh, at least one or two more times in my life to go like just hang out with it again. Yeah, no, his films are uh, that's a, that's a cinematic cinematic blind spot for me. I just uh, I I'm aware of of the works, but I just have not really. No, I'm 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 the same way. That is the I believe I'd have to check his filmography, but I like his stuff's on my watch list. I know Wreckmeister Wreckmeister Harmonies has been restored as well. I think there's a screening coming up. Oh, I yeah. should go see it, but I think this is the only one of his I've seen. And uh, I I I'm a fan. I should be completing <laughs> his yeah. filmography because it's not that many films. I don't believe absolutely. But uh, yeah, so if you can find it and you have the time, um, definitely uh, hang out with Satan Tango at some point in your life. <laughs> 
What else you got, Mike? Something more dynamic than a seven-hour Hungarian black movie? <laughs> um, so for those of who are keeping track at home, this is episode 37 of Watch Challenge. So mm-hmm. I feel like in honor of the, the number 37, I, I had to include Clerks, of course, in the – Oh, okay. Uh, you know, as the, the 37 dicks. Uh, oh, I get it now. 37. My girlfriend sucked 37 dicks. In a row? That uh, the uh, Veronica's character um, <laughs> has apparently um, had, but uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, Clerks, of course, uh, just Kevin Smith's uh, first film probably will go down as his most beloved film. At the rate he's currently making movies, yeah. I think you're safe in that bet. <laughs> yes, yeah. But uh, I think just the inspiration for so many things that came out around that time, and I think it, it gave the inspiration for better, for worse, uh, for a lot of people who thought, Hey, I can, I can actually make a movie as well. Uh, so I think even though if some of the, the filmmaking is rudimentary in, you know, in blocking and, and cinematography, uh, clerks, I think is still just one of those movies that I visit pretty often because of the memorable characters and the dialogue, um, and, you know, instantly quotable things. And, uh, you know, the fact, you know, it's well documented, of course, that, you know, he basically maxed out credit cards to make this until it was, uh, you know, purchased by the man who should not be named, but, uh, (laughs) we'll we'll at least name the company Miramax, uh, at, uh, that put it out to, to great success. And of course he, um, you know, went on to, to make several, what are probably considered, you know, the next one, Mallrats, is almost just like kind of like you can almost call it Clerks remake, I think, uh, which is you know hanging out at the mall. Yeah, and um, I don't know if I would. I think Chasing Amy is probably his best movie um, as far as the filmmaking yeah. and the in the yeah. writing and the directing. You know, I think I'm not sure if you were like in the same vein like me, but um, instantly became this big kevin smith fanboy and oh, yeah whenever he's does some of his talks around here you know i've got to see him speak several times mm-hmm. and got to meet him got to take pictures with him all that stuff you know it i think also just showing that i think until then the thought of a director like a steven spielberg you know that that's just somebody i'm never gonna meet right but the fact that he would do all these meet and greets and everything made you feel like i mean he's a genius in that way in which he knew how to market himself. So. Yeah. Yeah. And, and in a very sincere way, not like here's my, I mean, it could have a feeling of here's my shtick, but like, it's, yeah. it's, it seems like it's very sincerely uh, him. Yeah. It, at this point in his career, I, I love that he's out there as a fan of movies yes. more than that he's out there making some movies. Although that said, actually I did just rent, um, I got clerks three from the library just a couple of days ago. Cause I haven't seen it. And I was like, well, he made it. <laughs> and it's, I'm glad you picked this one because I'm now kind of wondering, like, if let's say you're, you know, 18 to 20 years old and in film school right now, you would need like you could pop that on and I think it would probably resonate. But I wonder, I think it would probably need some context. Yeah. Or someone to kind of really appreciate what to, to have the same effect that it had on on you and I. Um, I remember still like the living room I was at at my buddy's house when we rented it on VHS when it came yeah. out. And we're like, oh, we got to go. We got to see this one. 
um, mostly because like there was a couple of friends of ours who were like, you know, we had service industry jobs, like we're teenagers with our first jobs and we're like, I fuck hate it waiting on people, you know, and oh my God, these people are just like us. And we were watching it just going like, you could say that in a movie. Like it was probably like the filthiest language I'd heard in a movie at that point in time. Yeah. Um, now I don't think that would really shock people, but yeah, it felt like, oh, we could do that too. It only cost him like 20,000. I, I have access to credit card debt. Let's go do something. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah, that's the, yeah, that's, that's a, that's a good pick. And also that's, that was also then, yeah, in my rotation through, uh, towards the end of high school of like, this is a movie we just put on and in the background and yeah, constantly did the lines. We put quotes of it on mixtapes we gave to each other in between songs. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it was actually, I even had a buddy who he went to visit his aunt or uncle in, um, New York city. So he said from Cleveland to New York city and he was, uh, with his parents and he, pestered his parents until they actually went by Red Bank, New Jersey, and he could take a picture outside uh, the Quick Mart. And um, I think they had the comic book store open by then. I can't remember, but he was just like, we have to go by. We have to go. Like, oh, my God, Justin, shut up. Fine. We'll go by. So they just did this, you know, out of the way route to go by, you know, yeah. tribute. <laughs> I um, real quick uh, be- before this turns into a Kevin Smith episode, but I, <laughs> uh, I took uh, when I was an intern in New York in 2006, uh, Netflix was still pretty young, but they they would sponsor these screenings in the in the city in which a movie was filmed. So they they did a big uh, screening of Clerks um, near the the Quick Stop, and it was it was such a cool event. You know, they oh, had yeah. a big inflatable uh, movie screen, but um, Kevin Smith was there. The Dante nice. and uh, Veronica were there, and um yeah it, it was you know that that's just something i'll never forget because of just how many they were it's originally it was supposed to be in the parking lot of the the quick stop oh yeah ideally but the the amount of response to people because i think you had to like sign up for sure free but you had to sign up for it just the amount of people that signed up they moved it you know a couple blocks away into a big field and everything. So I'll never forget that. <laughs> um, so how, how about you? Any other uh, honorable mentions? Uh, I do have one more. I mean, actually I have a whole bunch more. So this day. It's going to have to be like a part two kind of uh, episode later on in the life of the show, but I am going to go, I had a few tabs open cause I was just like, well, I can't pick, but I'm going to go with um, Andrew Bajalski's film from 2018 support the girls. Ah, yes. Great. Have you seen this one? Yes. Very good. It's, Again, actually, okay, so that, that transitions perfectly from Clerks to here. Now, it's kind of a modern update in a way of Clerks. Yeah. Because it's folks that are stuck, not, well, yeah, kind of stuck. That's where the characters are. Um, I mean, I did plenty of these jobs over the course of my life, too. So, like, I, I feel you if you're if you're stuck in one of these jobs now. Uh, but just the service industry jobs. It is at, um, oh, sorry. So, it stars uh, Regina Hall uh, and Haley Lou Richardson. They're kind of like the, the, the pair that just, like, holds this movie together for me. Nothing needs held together. It's 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 an it's an awesome like hangout movie here. But they run a uh, what's and I didn't even know this was a genre of restaurant a restaurant, <laughs> uh, which is its own link in um in Wikipedia. So I was like, oh, it's a legit thing in the culture. That sucks. Uh, it's basically Hooters, but it's called Double Whammies. <laughs> and the movie edges like di- I mean, I'm gesturing on an audio form, but I gesture it's this close. Like it's just an inch away from being like almost like slapstick parody, but it. But Jesse kind of keeps it right to the edge of like it's reality and it's just one of those days. I think it takes place over the course of one day. Um, we follow uh, Regina Hall. She's Lisa, the general manager. 
trying to hold this like sports bar restaurant thing <laughs> together. And she takes her job seriously. She's very protective of her employees and they're her coworkers. And it's just sort of like vignettes throughout the day where you're just like, oh my God, like, you know, that type of customer. And then, you know, we move on to the next scene and you get a little bit with the customers and you get a little bit of the camaraderie of the the folks that she's, that everybody's working together. And I don't know, it it's done in that, I know Bajowski's part of, um, or no, he's like credited as the godfather of Mumblecore. And it has kind of that sort of aesthetic mm-hmm. to this movie where it's all handheld camera work. It's all in one location. I Again, I think it's pretty much over the course of one day. And you just hang out with these characters. Also, it's very dialogue centric. I don't have a memory off the top of my head of like, oh, the soundtrack to it. So I don't think it's one of those like Clerks has a soundtrack to it or like you said, Over the Edge has a soundtrack to it. Yeah. There's music there because they're in a sports bar, but it's not like, Oh, that song's from that movie, kind of thing. And maybe it was a budget issue. Who knows? Um, it made no money at the box office. It barely cracked a hundred thousand dollars at the box office. Yeah, which is sad. It's- but it was just such a um, such a good time hanging out. And if you've ever just had to, I'll just say, if you've ever worked with the general public, whether it was at a gas station or a quick stop or a convenience store, or was it if you've ever worked at a restaurant, you're gonna be like, oh yeah, oh <laughs> yeah, I recognize this a lot. But he, it's so light on its feet though, and it keeps it very fun, even when it's frustrating. There is some built-in exposition that I found to be really artfully done to kind yeah. of get you into the story and the the lives that they're all living and why that customer sucks or why this experience is awful. Because <laughs> um, they are orienting, I think, a couple new, uh, what's all female waitstaff, it's double whammies. Um, it's... Um, it orients you into what is expected of the, of the uh, employees that are there. The manager, Regina Hall, is clearly like, it's my job, but she's not like, yeah, this is the best place that like, she's not, yeah. you know, that type of manager, but yeah, you just like, you hang out with some characters, you, you watch them go through, uh, their days. Um, of course, in that type of restaurant, that type of restaurant, um, <laughs> it's sexist and it's awful. And there's shitty customers. I think, um, James, the gross has a, has a cameo or he's around a little bit and you're just like, I think, wait, no, he's the owner of the restaurant. So he steps by a couple of times, but you get these just awful customers coming in, doing these great little character character actor kind of vignettes where you're just like i've i know that customer yeah <laughs> um and you can just go back and, and and hang out with them uh at any point in time i think i've thrown it on several times in the last few years or i'm just like actually it was one of those kind of and i'll mention this in my main pick too but like with the era of covid we're like you couldn't just go out to a restaurant there for a while yeah i'm throwing this one on because i'm like oh yeah maybe i don't want to go to a restaurant <laughs> <laughs> You know, I think that's his probably one of his more accessible movies uh, because uh, I, I've been a fan of his films uh, throughout the years, you know, because he is like that. You're right. He is that godfather of Mumblecore. Mm-hmm. Some of those movies I know would instantly turn off so many people uh, <laughs> because they, you know, so much dialogue. And it, yeah. It's usually a lot of people complaining, whining, uh, <laughs> like a little bit. Life is hard. Um, yeah. But, um, but yeah, I, uh, you know, that, that one to me is like a home run, I, I think for, yeah. for him. And, uh, uh, but you know, his funny ha ha movie is, is always one that sticks out to me. Cause that's the first one I saw. Uh, but yeah, it was a- the first one I saw too, not in a theater, but, um, uh, I think as a film though, kind of like what you were saying with Kevin Smith and Chase and Amy, I think computer chess might be his best like film film. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's also recreating a time period on a very low budget. And I think it's just masterfully done. Yeah. Um, but personal fave, I think it's just going to be support the girls as of right now. So yeah, had to go with that one. So what film did you end up picking? I went with one that is very recent and I picked it because 
again, as I mentioned with COVID just a moment ago, um, it, it was at the 2020 Sundance Film Festival, which was in the United States' perspective, very kind of pre-COVID, uh, before it really hit. But then once it came out to the general public, it was released digitally. And I remember, I didn't see it then. I just saw it uh, sure. two days ago. Um, but I remember a lot of critics and other film podcasters and folks that I follow on Letterboxd were saying, oh my God, this is like being able to hang out at my local bar, which I can't do right now. Uh, the film is Bloody Nose, Empty Pockets from 2020. Hello. You're just in time for the knot party. We're not having fun in celebration of not closing. Is this a real thing? Is this really happening? Twenties. I'm doing great. Thank you for asking how I'm doing. First person today. Anybody want a drink, a shot? Tell a story. You're making me realize I haven't smelled that smell in a long time. What kind of a party is it if an Australian guy doesn't take his pants off? I've been saying that for years. Do you, do you see this one? Or? I have not even heard of it. Okay. So it's uh, Turner Ross and Bill Ross the fourth. Uh, they're a filmmaking duo, brothers, actually. Oh, yes. They, they're from Ohio. Yeah, Ohio. Uh, they did one called 45365, which is the area code of a town in Ohio. That is the only other movie of theirs I've seen. That one, actually, I watched because um, we were debating playing it at the art house I used to work at. And we got a screener of that one. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is Ohio. And so I was really into it. I watched it. I was like, we got to play this one. They were like, we're not playing this one. It's too obscure. <laughs> it's not gonna... And I think actually the Cinematheque I've already referenced on this episode uh, did play it. Yes, um, they, they did because I somehow I got to meet them. I like oh, nice. maybe going to play at the film festival. You know, maybe it did. Maybe it did actually. Yeah, yeah. They did a retrospective or something. Yeah, yeah. Because um, they they had some pretty um, big shorts or, or award winning shorts, I believe. As well. yeah, yeah, but yeah. Big fan of theirs. Yeah, I am too. And now I got to go find some of the other shorts and features. So I hit play on it. It's free on Canopy. If you have a library card right now, it's set at this bar called Roaring Twenties, which is a great bar name yeah um the only thing you make it better is if speaky was in the <laughs> speakeasy was in the title somewhere um so it's this portrait of the lives of a bunch of group of people they're just patrons at this um you know it's a watering hole it's not even really a bar i got you know it's just this it's a bar and maybe like a couple of seats and that's about it um in las vegas so clearly like not on the strip strip but like there i've never been to vegas but i you know friends even my sister has gone several times she's like no there's like the main strip and then there's like the real vegas yes old the dirty vegas. grimy old vegas yeah. and that's kind of oh. where this is at <laughs> feels like it's in maybe a strip mall somewhere um and you're i'm watching it and it grabbed me right away not cuz it's like flashy or like you know like a virtuoso filmmaking necessarily although i do think there is some virtuoso filmmaking here um, it just grabs you cause you're like, you're settling in and it's like the start of the business day. They wake up some dude who kind of slept on the bar. Maybe he was kind of there all night. And yeah. You have like the opening bartenders, like, let me get you a drink. Let's get your day going. Uh, the dude goes and like shaves in the bathroom, uh, the guy that was passed out at the bar. So you're like, Oh, this is a patron. Oh, but it's that kind of bar. Um, and you just sort of settle in with it and it slowly got very kind of Robert Altman to me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because there's like these zooms across the bar to pick up what this person over there is. And this is, again, this is not a crowded bar. I mean, at peak uh, celebration, because it's also the last day the bar is going to be open. It's closing at the end of business this day. Um, so there are people coming in, but I don't know, eight, 12 people tops or yeah. ever like in the bar. 
and there's overlapping dialogue, but the sound mix is just perfect where you're picking up on like, okay, I know who's saying that because I saw them at the start of this Zoom and now we're looking, we're hearing what these people are saying, but we're seeing what this guy's doing over here, this lady's doing over there. And it just slowly degrades as the day, the evening goes on because it's a bar and they're all drinking and they're all <laughs> probably having some you know problems with alcohol if we really take a hard look at it. And it gets you know a little tense at parts and it gets a little incoherent at parts and it's totally just hanging out with these people, this group of characters, at, and they are characters um, at this bar. There's um, the older guy I mentioned who was uh, asleep at the start of the movie. He's asleep on a couch in a corner by the end of the movie, and he's woken up and you're like, dude, we're close. We're close, close. We got to get going, man. Here's a shot. Get you on your way. He has a line early on when he's talking, um, and nobody's talking to the camera. They're talking to each other. He says about how I, I loved it so much I had to write it down. I pride myself on not having become an alcoholic until I was already a failure. I <laughs> ruined my life sober. <laughs> and that gave me like really strong, like American movie vibes. Cause like it's quotable and they're interesting yeah. people that you're like, I don't know if I want to hang out with them, but like, Oh, this is like witty to a certain degree. And I was like, no, these are just like the interesting people you you'll find if you just hang out at a townie bar and start chit chatting. Yeah, it's 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 an experience to it. But um, so then um, I found out afterwards that the bar they filmed it in is in New Orleans. Wow. It's not in Vegas. And some of the people in there are like they're actors. So it's this hybrid documentary drama thing. And I didn't get too deep into it because I was like, I, I want to sit with that a minute. Hang on a second. So yeah. I have two tabs open to keep reading. But I guess they. um and now I'm kind of thinking about their whole filmography. Well, again, I've only seen one, the other movie. Theirs was uh, 45365. But I was like, I'm a little bit of a purist when it comes to documentaries. And like, you need to be doing a certain thing. But I really enjoyed this so much that I was like, do I care anymore if it's yeah. like, it's not going to dupe you to like get a political or social kind of point around. It's more just like an experiential thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I don't know exactly how I, I mean, I loved this movie, but I, I don't know how I feel about that as a documentary approach. Yeah. I, it almost sounds a little bit like no man land where, yeah. you know, yeah. like where you had real actors, but then you also had the non-actors right. uh, interacting with them. So, uh, and you know, it's been a while since I've seen four, five, three, six, five, but I, I just remember absolutely loving that movie. Yeah, so I did too. I'm, like, I'm really excited to dive into this one because I, I did. You know, after now you talked about it, it's like I remember seeing some stories about it, or like, mm. I think, you know, it, I think you mentioned what it played at Sundance or something. Yeah, I think it debuted yeah. at South by Southwest, or sorry, it played at Sundance and maybe okay. it was South by, but um, yeah, it was um, uh, oh sorry, yeah, 2020 Sundance Film Festival was where it started off at f- festival yeah. wise, so. Cause yeah, maybe, maybe it's just like, cause the title's a little weird that like, I mean, that should have maybe stuck in my head, but, <laughs> but maybe just also 2020 was a you know crazy ass year that, <laughs> well, yeah, there's, there's that part to it as yeah. well. Um, yeah. I was wondering if it was going to work its magic on me the way that I'd heard like, oh, it's like being able to hang out at my local watering hole when I can't during COVID. And I was like, oh yeah, it's, it, it still works three years on and my <laughs> local watering hole's open. It's like, it's right there. But I was like, okay, this is, um, and Looking back on it, there's like there's one of the the bartender. She comes in for like the evening shift when the daytime dude goes home and she has a son and his friends that are hanging out in the back alley behind the bar. and They're getting into some shenanigans. Some of the stuff I'm like, oh, that clearly had to have been staged. You didn't just happen to catch. Yeah. That unless you had people with cameras just wander and they didn't just 
everywhere around this, but like, oh, oh, okay. Um, but I, my impression, my first reaction is like, I don't care that they sure, <laughs> kind sure. of fake this. I'm kind of reevaluating like my approach to like, what, do, how am I going to define this within documentaries or docudramas or however? You know what? Actually, it kind of has a um, Florida Project, uh, Red Rocket, okay. that Sean Baker. Wait. Yeah, Sean, Sean Baker. Yeah. Yeah, Sean Baker kind of vibe to it. He's very upfront that, like, no, no, these are fictional films, but he works with non professional actors to get realistic performances and based on reality, tangerine. Yeah. You know, it it feels like that. But I went into it going, Oh, that's the documentary brothers I like. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. That's but, cool. Um that one, no, I I'd highly recommend that one. I I, I did quite uh, enjoy it quite a bit. Um what did you pick, Mike? Uh, so I, um, there's a filmmaker that I, I always enjoy, uh, this, this guy's films, but, um, realized, um, you know, that there was a, a blind spot. And I also realized that, that it is the definition of a, uh, a hangout movie. So, uh, my pick is, um, Jim Jarmusch's night on earth. I don't always want to be a cab driver. What do you really want to be? A mechanic. It's not allowed. Not allowed. Yes, allowed! It's New York! Basically, a like five vignettes um, that take place in Los Angeles, New York, Paris. Um, what are the other two cities? I got a uh, <laughs> Rome and uh, Linsky. And uh, I had a blast with this movie. I thought this was um, uh, one of those, you know, I, I think several of the, the filmmakers of that ilk did, um, experiment in the nineties with, uh, having vignette movies, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, like four rooms was one of those ones, New York stories that, uh, Scorsese and Woody Allen. Oh yeah. Yeah. And Coppola. Uh, so, um, and I think with the way how Jim Jarmusch's films are they're they're all in some ways there is kind of a hangout vibe to a lot of his movies as well. Yeah. And I think he's just this definition of, that kind of cool that I don't think I would ever be. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, I was like, you know, I've, uh, I've had the the pleasure of getting to like meet him twice briefly. And he, mm-hmm. it's just like, when he's just standing there, he's just like, that guy looks fucking cool. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, but, but anyway, um, I, I really did like this and, you know, sometimes the vignette style can be um, hit and miss, I think. Uh, where, you know, some of them are stronger than others, but, um, you know, I, I really, I'm going to just, when I'm talking about the, in the context of this, I, I think I'll just talk about the ones that really struck me the best. Sure. Sure. And I almost honestly feel like perhaps it should have bookended with the two English, uh, language ones potentially, you know, because it starts off with, uh, you have, uh, Winona Ryder and Gina Rollins. Uh, you know, Gina Rollins plays this uh, casting director and Winona Ryder has this like I, I think she like I always think Winona Ryder is like this beautiful woman. But like she ha- she like looks so she's so cute in this movie <laughs> as this taxi driver who's 
constantly smoking a cigarette. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, there, there's something like kind of endearing when the casting director suggests uh, that she be in this movie and she's just like, no, man, I want to just be a, I just want to be a mechanic. You know, like she's like, but everybody wants to be a star. She's like, nope, sorry, lady. Thanks. You know, <laughs> like I think that there was something really endearing to that. Um, yeah. The one with uh, Roberto Benini, which takes place in Rome. Oh, right. I thought was, was pretty damn hilarious just because he's driving around this priest who seems right. to be having some, uh, some chest pains or just a lot of <laughs> issues. Um, and I won't spoil it, you know, if you, if you haven't seen it, but, uh, you know, it kind of leads to this, uh, you know, I, I think a satisfying conclusion. Uh, but, but my, by far my favorite and, and the reason why I think it should bookend it is that the one that takes place in New York with, uh, Jean Giancarlo Esposito. Esposito. Esposito, sorry. Uh, And Rosie Perez. Oh, right. Uh, I think it's one of those. (laughs) I don't know if, like, there's a, you know, a fuck counter, but that has to be the most fucks I I hear. Oh, (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that now, yes. A short film format or a a vignette format uh, just because uh, Giancarlo and, and Rosie Perez start to get into this argument. While our uh, the the actual driver of the cab, uh, who's played by Armin Mueller Stahl, mm-hmm. I, I remember best from uh, Shine. I think he plays the dad in Shine. Oh, the dad, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But uh, you know, he's like this recent uh, you know immigrant who has no idea really how to drive a car correctly. So Giancarlo decides to, <laughs> you know, he says, "Oh, let me drive it to Brooklyn," and then. When he picks up Rosie Perez, it, it you know it's <laughs> you know there there is obviously there's not really a plot or there's not really much that strings these movies together. There's not like a wraparound or anything, right? But um, just the way how these these vignettes are shot, uh, mostly at night and kind of like using a lot of the natural light from a lot of the buildings that they drove past. And um, just some fun conversation slash dialogue, you know, just um, gave me a really good, uh, you know, hangout vibe. Feeling. Oh, yeah. So um, honestly, like I I had seen this one that's on, you know, I, I know it's like there's a criterion of it. And, uh, you know, it's one of those ones that I, I probably should have watched by now, but um, I'm glad <laughs> that I did. It, it was uh you know, it's, it's such a fun, uh, um, format and so, so many talented actors um, oh, yeah. that are, that are used. And, and also, you know, you have, uh, of course, uh, Tom Waits, uh, you know, oh, right. uh, who's like a staple in Jim Jarmusch's films, but you know, he, he's the crooner of the, of the film. Like you hear his music, uh, yeah. every, and every now and then. So big recommend for me. I, completely spaced on thinking about Jim Jarmusch as like a hangout film director, but like strange in the paradise, you're just kind of hanging out. Yeah. There's not, even when he has like a narrative that's propelling the story, like ghost dog maybe is his most like, I've got a narrative here. Yes. Or like, I guess maybe limits of control. Cause like if it was, that's one of the, like he's assassin. Correct. Now, yeah. but it's still more of like a hangout meditative experience. And there also happens to be a little narrative running in the background. Yeah. Like only lovers left alive. I mean, I think that whole movie pretty much 
You're yeah. just hanging out with vampires. Exactly. Like Tilda <laughs> Swinton and uh, uh, and uh, yeah, Tom Hiddleston are just like hanging in a room. Like yeah, <laughs> um, you know, you're right because like I immediately thought when you said um, Night on Earth and I was driving, I was like, oh, coffee and cigarettes. You're just hanging out with all these yeah. characters and yeah. Yeah, actually, that's a that's a really really interesting point. Also, wait, so Night on Earth is ninety one, right? Yes, same year as Slacker, which we just mentioned. Kind of vignette. Right. I mean, there's even more vignettes in Slacker, but it's interesting how you got like the vignettes, multiple characters, multiple scenarios, and nothing overlaps in Night on Earth. Nothing overlaps yeah. in Slacker. But then by the time you get to the end of the nineties, and you get to like uh, Soderbergh's Traffic. Uh, Paul Higgins' yes. crash, like it was all these like uh, Omoris Peros. Um, it's all how does all these narratives overlap? Um, yeah, kind of bookends the start and the end of the '90s there in a really unique way I hadn't really thought about before. But yeah, I was I was half expecting just because I was a fan of say like Paris, I Love You, where yeah. um, you had all those vignettes, but then they all kind of there was like a wraparound to kind of mm-hmm. tie them all together or at least tie some of them together. So right. I was kind of expecting that, but. It, it just literally, yep. once we get, to, yeah, <laughs> after the fifth one, done. Yep. Credits. Credits. Um, we're all done. No, yeah. Nothing to, to do that, which, which I'm actually perfectly fine with. Like, I yeah. don't I don't necessarily need to have that. Um, but, um, but yeah, it's just um, really impressive. The, you know, the scope that he went to it to, because like he could have easily probably just shot it all in LA and it could have passed as, in certain parts maybe could have passed as Paris or Rome or something, but That's true. Yeah. Uh, looking up, you know, they, they actually did go to these different places to, you know, to, to get the vibe of each yeah. that they're in. So, um, and I, I, I don't know his box office history, but that's his, um, looking at it now. So you got stranger than Par- or permanent vacation, stranger than paradise down by law, mystery train, the night on earth. I don't know. Maybe he was just, Oh, actually has fine line features there too for night yeah. on earth. I, I just I don't picture him having access to large budgets. Yeah, I Dead Man maybe was a little bit different story by then, but um, yeah. yeah, still being able to convince a distributor or a financier to like, hey, we got to travel around to all these different spots when they're like, New York City can double for any city. Like, come on, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it said it was like a three point five million dollar budget. So, okay. like in nineteen ninety dollars, that's true. Yeah, that's that's really substantial. Then yeah, probably yeah. like almost equivalent to seven or eight million or something. yeah well then also i guess actually too thinking about how financing worked back then or for him as well like it was international financing too you cobble together yeah. Yeah. Um, i was just looking here it's like Le studio canal plus channel four yeah uh, i'm gonna come film in paris so you got you got a little dough to, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to finance this year i was also thinking too that when um you mentioned the new york episode that was uh esposito and perez um uh post do the right thing Oh, right. So that's like how New York can you get? You got yeah. those two in your in your New York segment. I mean, come on. Yeah. Um, that's pretty slick. So our official watch challenge picks for Hangout Films are Bloody Nose, Empty Pockets from 2020 and Night on, Night on Earth from 1991. Aaron, what challenge do we have in front of us for next time? Our next challenge is we're going for a uh, part two because uh, we... We need to. We've mentioned a few times certain topics are like, well, we got to do a part two. So we're going to do a part two. Uh, also, because you just saw something that inspired you and we got to talk about it. Oh, <laughs> to a certain degree. So uh, we're going to be doing uh, Black Exploitation again. Yeah. Black Exploitation part two. If you'd like to suggest a topic or genre you'd like covered on a future show, email us at watchchallengepodcast at gmail.com or the links in the show notes.
Indeed. And until next time, folks, rate and review the show on whatever podcast app you are using, and we'll see you with the next challenge. Mm-hmm.